BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. What's up, Panther fans? Welcome to episode 105 of the Four Man Rush podcast. Today I got myself, Will, we got Kev, we got Smooth, and we got JD with us. We're going to break down the Panthers' upcoming game against the New York Giants and also talk about some of the latest news going on with the team this week. Let's first start with some uh, Panthers news that we weren't able to touch on over the last couple of days. Last uh, Saturday or Friday, we had learned that uh, Christian McCaffrey was placed on IR, so he's going to be out for three weeks now with the hamstring injury. He should be back in the, believe, the week nine matchup against the New England Patriots. So I'll start with uh, you, uh, J.D. Are you concerned about Christian McCaffrey's uh, recent injury history? And two, does the team have to change the way they use him going forward to try to minimize his snaps and keep him healthy? Uh I'll, I'll, I'm not concerned, and the reason why I'm not concerned is that um, a majority of his injuries, I think, are from uh, fatigue. If you look at the quick turnaround, the most recent injury, if you look at the quick turnaround, we had the game on Sunday. Turnaround had a game on sat on, on Thursday on a short week, and then he hurt his um, hamstring. So I'm not too concerned. Um, personally, I believe Christian is built a little bit different than other backs. Um, he's not going to win um, off sheer speed, like game-breaking speed, explosiveness. Though he has that those tools, I think his his um, his ability to break down and and, lo- and do movements without little waste in motion, and his vision will lend him to a long career. Um, he's not going to run a four-four his whole career, so I think I'm not concerned um, about the injury history. I think moving forward. It, it would be wise and would behoove us to to not only um, reduce his touches, but you can you can reduce his touches without reducing his effect and having it and how he affects the defense. Just having Christian on the field, he didn't even have to touch the rack rock. You can see defenders, um, the whole defense start flowing to him. If you look last year, I think we threw uh, a little bubble screen out to DJ Moore and. Similar to how um, teams followed Christian, the guy in motion moved the whole defense and that affected the play. So I think even if Christian is not in the backfield, he can be at in the slot and defenses will still key in on him because he's that good. So um, I think using guys like Shy Smith with that skill set, 
using guys like um, even Alec, Alex Erickson has proven that he he can be uh, effective in receiving, caught a couple of big catches. So using those guys, a little bit more shifty, a little bit more speed. DJ Moore can be in that same cuff. Just use those guys as like the foil to Christian McCaffrey. They're talented in space. They got speed. Um, they can rip off chunk plays. Just use those guys that way. And you won't ha- always have to feed, force feed Christian the ball. A smooth, smooth. Uh, Christian McCaffrey was getting 30 touches a game up until the injury. That 510 touches would have smashed the NFL record by a lot. You know, why, you, what do you think is going on? Why do we have to use – why is he so involved in the offense to where we have so many weapons, but one guy is just dominating the touches when he's healthy? Why can't we continue to spread the ball around whether he's in the game or not? I just think it's lazy effort from the offensive coordinator, um, especially when you show us that you can also get other guys involved that had similar skill sets. I'll go back to last year. You started seeing Curtis Samuel get carries in between the tackles, uh, catch a lot of cap passes out of the backfield, just similar things that you always see from CMC. Your offensive coordinator showed you that you that we had other guys on the team that could do the same exact things. And this year you're seeing it when you see DJ Moore line up at running back and coming out of the backfield. So just all coaching, not being creative enough. You can have CMC available and healthy and still find out ways to use the other weapons on your team to, to lighten his workload. So it's all on coaching, um, coaching for everything. I told y'all how I felt yesterday. Everything's getting blamed on the staff from here out. I'm not going to keep blaming these players, man. Now, Matt Rule's interview today, he said he wants to change how they do things going forward. He wants to stop turning the ball over, and he wants to run the ball 31 to 33 times a game. So, Kev, going forward, if that's the plan to become a primarily uh, running, run-dominant team, you know, is Christian McCaffrey still going to get that kind of workload, or you think, He's going to have to start splitting it somehow when he comes back with a Chuba Hubbard or a Royce Freeman or whoever steps up and earns those additional touches. Or you're just going to have to be creative with the way you run the ball. Maybe use some design QB runs with Darnold, Shai Smith, and DJ Moore. Yeah, for me, I think that running the ball needs to be on a a more of a committee approach. Now, don't get me wrong. I mean, McCaffrey – uh, definitely should get the lion's share, but okay, let's just say out of, uh, what do you say, 31 to 33? Okay, let's say out of uh, 33, uh, you get McCaffrey, like maybe 18 of those, 20 at the max. Um, you know, I think Royce, um, excuse me, Hubbard has shown that uh, he's gotten better at running the ball, but like he's getting better vision and recognizes and hitting the holes a little bit faster and better now, now that he's, you know, getting more experience, um, you know, watching him grow and, and develop. Um, you know, even a few opportunities that uh, Royce Freeman has gotten, uh, has shown. And, you know, yesterday, particularly in the fourth quarter, you know, Sam Donald showed his ability to um, run and scramble and could potentially pick up big yards because it's not really, you know, expected of him. So for me, I see it as an opportunity for, you know, you know, Matt Rule said that the Panthers without McCaffrey, you know, don't have a uh, don't have an identity. Well, I think that 
uh, before McCaffrey even gets back, we need to start showing this type of uh, versatility with our back so that when McCaffrey does come back, it's a, it's a, it's a seamless transition. So, um, you know, I'm all for it. Now, the type of run plays that we run is crucial as well. We, we've seen that when we try to go, you know, man up, you know, try to power block guys, you know, we get put on our ass. We get embarrassed. But, you know, when we do a little bit more zone blocking, a little bit more off tackle, uh, you know, toss sweep type of plays, seem like we're starting to have some more success. Um, you know, that's not to say to do away with running inside, but instead of trying to, you know, power block inside, you know, inside zone runs. Um, you know, it's, it's definitely different ways to um, uh, to attack. You know, Will, a couple of years ago, you did a breakdown on McCaffrey's running game, talking about the different run schemes. You know, one of my favorite ones is the, you know, the pin and pull tech, you know, the pin and pull blocking scheme, you know, where, you know, the lineman that's uncovered, you know, pull out and, uh, you know, the lineman that's got a, a defender in front of them or to the inside of them, you know, they pin them down. I think that, you know, with this offensive line being built the way that it is, I think seeing more runs with that type of blocking scheme should tend to put us in a more favorable position to enhance a more increased running attack workload than what we're seeing. Asmu, I know we talk about our pass blocking woes. Do you think we have the nastiness up front to be a dominant run team and Run the ball 31, 33 times like Matt Rule wants to do? No. I think there's smoke and mirrors. You don't overhaul your philosophy in the middle of the football season. And no, I just don't think we have the nastiness nor the personnel to be a smash mouth football team. We've seen it all year. We can't even get short yardage situations to go our way without being gimmicky. So, no. I don't even want to talk about that all day. We don't have the team to do that. We just don't. No. Okay. What is our? I don't know if you have it pulled up. What's our run block uh, win rate uh, ranking right now? I don't know if you have that on hand. And while you're looking that up, I have a question for uh, JD. I know you've been a big fan of Shy Smith. Can he be a contributor in the run game as well as playing wide receiver? If you can get creative with the ways you can get the ball in his hands. Hey, can y'all hear me? Yeah. Okay. Um, Shy Smith is not like a traditional running threat like a, a Curtis Samuel was or like a, a Christian. Mm -hmm. He reminds me a little bit more of like a Brandon Ayuk or, or a, a, a Debo Samuel in that if you get him the rock in space, he'll make something happen. But as far as running through between the tackles, I haven't seen um, that on the film. But I think you can still get him involved if you want to throw screens. He's probably one of the, the best guys after DJ and Yak on the team. So um it's gonna have to we're gonna have to get a little creative. Um even though that that speed that speed sweep he ran was technically a pass um because he was a friend of the quarterback but still um I think I think you can get him involved in off tackle stuff outside zone stuff. I'm not sure you can put him at running back um, next to the quarterback and, and have him do that, though. He's not a guy you'd use the way maybe Curtis Samuel was used last year or DJ Moore even coming out of the backfield running the Texas route type of deals. 
I feel like if you want to put him back there and let him run routes, that's perfectly fine. I think we've seen guys even like going back to 2015, we've seen Jericho Cotri out, out of full house formation being a, a back back there. So if you want to use him to run routes out the backfield, that's cool. But I think it kind of defeats the purpose because the defense is not going to – I wouldn't key in on him as a runner, honestly. I, I wouldn't view him as a running threat if he's back there. So I would rather have a guy like DJ Moore that's more of a, a threat um, to run the ball, even though DJ Moore hasn't played running back since, like, maybe his first couple years in college or high school. I think he's more of a, a respectable threat between the tackles than the Shaw Smith would be. That makes sense. Now, the other news. Now, Kev, were you able to pull up that run block uh, win rate information? Yeah, I got it. So where are the Panthers currently ranking in their run blocking? Well, due to the Monday night game currently being on, they haven't finished updating it for this particular week. But as of heading into uh, week six, the Panthers were 29th in run block win rate at 66%. Well, there you have it. So how can we really establish a consistent run game when we're not, you know, able to continue uh, consistently control the trenches? So it'll be interesting to see whether that's how that's the answer to your question. Well, you have to draft offensive linemen in the first and second round. We don't do that. So, no. Right. Let's talk about a, a team that has now our next opponent, the uh, New York Giants. One in five team, um, they've kind of been a complete disaster. Not all their fault. They have a lot of injuries. Saquon Barkley just can't play on the field. They've been without Kenny Galladay, a big uh, free agent signing at wide receiver. Um, their quarterback, Daniel Jones, is up and down, still kind of developing, you know, getting to where he needs to be. They have a new coach. I think Joe Judge came in at the same time as Matt Rule. He comes from that Bill Belichick. He's what uh, Dan Orlovsky on ESPN said. He's a Tommy Toughnuts. And I think with those tough guy coaches, players don't respond to them if you're not winning. So you look at the Giants right now, you know, there are kind of questions about whether the players are really responding to Joe Judge's tough coaching style when he's starting off one in five this year. He had a bad season last year. So we'll see where they go. Supposedly they're fired up, ready to go this week. It's a home game. They feel like they can win. The Carolina Panthers are a beatable team, so we'll see how that goes. Now, Smooth, I know a guy that you were very high on in the scouting process was Georgia left tackle Andrew Thomas. Had a struggle in rookie season, but he's kind of evolving now, becoming one of the better, more consistent left tackles. Can you kind of tell us about what you like about him and how he's kind of developed over the past couple of years? Well, it was surprising for him to have a a bad rookie year because when I watched him in college, he just had all the the tools and technique. Like Just looking at him, he was like, oh, he's NFL ready. That's a rare thing to see because a lot of guys require development coming into the league. But he was like NFL ready, you know, in in full stride during his time in Georgia. And I know he did take a step back. And I think I know why he took a step back. You know, they were trying to treat him like a blank canvas and make him relearn techniques and stuff like that when he was already perfectly fine. So what he did this previous offseason is he went and started working out with guys like Coach Alexander and, and Willie Anderson and getting back to who he used to be. And the results are shown. You know, he's having a great season so, so far. And um, 
I do want to point out that not only do they have Andrew Thomas, they also had Will Hernandez, somebody that we were high on a couple of seasons back, and also Billy Price. So when you look at these guys and say that they're all bust, do you really think it's the player or do you think it's the way things are being taught with that offensive line room? And I'm going to go point to coach, and I just think that they're poorly coached. But those were, they have a, a lot of talent. Like You can't really get mad at David Gettleman because he did what we want to do with Panthers. You know, he's either signed big free agents or he's drafted trench guys to come in and make a difference. They just have a poor coaching staff. That's what my 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 perspective tells me. But to answer your question, what 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 uh, Andrew Thomas does well, he's very balanced. Um, he he's really he was pro ready with his pass sets. He has great feet, just in the pass game alone. But he has a nastiness which we don't have. Like in a run game. He can anchor, and he can move well out in, out in space, and he can get to the second level. Just an incredible athlete with, with measurables, that, measurables that you would like to see in a left tackle. So I think he's going to be a, a perennial pro bowler coming up. Yeah, rounding out that offensive line, you got the veteran uh, Nate Solder. He was the left tackle, I believe, for the New England Patriots for a long time. They drafted Andrew Thomas. Moving to the right side, so, I mean, you know, they're – Trying to build that unit, I think that's the kind of identity Joe Judge wants, you know, just a tough, you know, hard-nosed football team, and that starts in the trenches. And he's starting to do that in his first, you know, first couple of years as head coach. You know, their GM, Dave Gettleman, you know, he's heavy on the hog mollies. You know, I think that was one of the things he did very well with us was scouting offensive line talent. And I just think the combination of him and John Masco helped build that unit with a couple of, you know, free agent misses. I thought overall, you know, maybe a B-minus job you know building talent in later rounds while he was with us now JD I know you had the Giants stats pulled up how effective were they running the ball I mean I know Daniel Jones is their leading rusher and a part of that is because Saquon Barkley has struggled to stay on the field but if these guys other bats been getting involved like for instance Devontae Booker who I believe used to play for the Broncos it's been tough sledding for them. It looks like they're 25th in, in rush yards um, on offense, right around, right under 90 yards per game. So I think Daniel Jones has taken the the, um, the reins there, which is not necessarily a good thing because he's not necessarily a a top running threat quarterback, but he, he's shown the ability to get the job done. Um, Devontae Booker um, is their backup on running back. So it he's been, he's been, not as effective, obviously, as um, as Saquon Barkley. They sorely miss Saquon Barkley. They need him to stay healthy. So I think they're very, very, looking at um, their numbers for the year, they're very, very one-dimensional at this point. Um, Ninth in pass yards in the league per game with uh, 270. So they're going to pass the ball a lot more than your average team. Um, 15th overall in total yards. So just under um 370 per game they're going to pass the ball so it's going to be interesting to see are we going to be able to swarm and stop the run because we're giving up over 100 yards per uh game on on the ground on defense so that's going to be an interesting task and trying to hope and see that we can stop their run and not let them get back um to running the ball as a team now kev i know one thing we noticed with our defensive line um, they're getting pressures but not sacks. I know Brian Burns is kind of in a sack slump lately. He almost got one against Kirk Cousins but let him get away. 
You know, Derek Brown, I think he hasn't had a sack since his first game against the Jets. Daquan Jones, I believe he had a pressure but just couldn't get home. I mean, we ended the Vikings game with zero sacks on Kirk Cousins. So with a running quarterback like Daniel Jones, what do you think the keys are for our defensive line to try to break this slump and try to get after him and get some sacks and put some pressure on him this week? I think that, you know, the key to – getting our defensive uh, line back to its form during the first three weeks is, you know, pretty much just, it's like with the sets, it seems to be a lot of missing and grabbing. I, I don't know how or what we're, how it's being practiced, but it just seems like we're just flying in fast, but we're not closing in on the deal. Um, you know, with Brian Burns, you know, he went up against, uh, a left tackle that was drafted uh, in the first round by Minnesota, who, you know, me and Big Smooth had checked out. Actually, uh, Big Smooth kind of knows him a lot better than most, you know, based on, you know, uh, you know, just on his uh, affiliations and relationships. But, uh, you know, Darashaw pretty much said that uh, he wasn't going to give up no sacks to Brown Burns, and he didn't give up a sack. Uh, I think he only gave up one quarterback hit. Um, which is, I believe, that was the miss that Burns had on um, on Cousins. So, um, you know, for this to be the big breakout year and and things like that, things have certainly cooled off for Brian Burns. Uh, you know, Hassan Reddick has still been able to uh, produce on his end. Um, I think he's from last I checked. I think he's like maybe mm -hmm. second or third. I know he stopped five in the league in sacks still. Um, yeah, Brian Burns. I, you know, I, I know I noticed that he's doing a little bit more, you know, playing a little bit, a little more coverage, um, and, and things of that nature. So he's not just all out, you know, in you know, sack quarterback mode. But he's definitely, uh, he definitely needs to um, come through. And if you want to show that he's the alpha male of this defensive line, now is the time uh, for him to set the tone with it with his. With his play, uh, his athleticism and his uh, talent is definitely not putting up the numbers that he feel like that he's capable of putting up and doing. Now, the defensive uh, tackles on the inside, um, you know, my boy Derrick Brown, I'm I'm starting to see him get put on skates a little bit more. Uh, you seen him getting pushed back, getting you know getting put on his back more. Was shot for me because I, I I didn't really see a lot of that at Auburn. Uh, didn't see that too many times last year, but you know he's don't get me wrong, he's played well in the times. I think last week he was like our most dominant player, but um, I'm not seeing that consistency of dominant play out of Derrick Brown that I think um, that I think that he should be putting up, especially with a partner like Daquan Jones beside him uh, in the trenches. Um, I just think that for whatever reason. Um, that's just a, a struggle that's going on with Derrick Brown right now. Um, you know, a lot of it is, you know, he, he's got to stay consistency um, playing with low pads. He, he gets up high a lot, I notice. And I feel like at times he feel like he's trying to use more strength than technique to, you know, win his battle against his blocks. And I think that teams are taking advantage of that because, again, I'm starting to see him getting rolled and moved easily out of the way. And, and a lot of times, it's not even double teams, you know, I'm single, single blocks and getting them out of the way. So, you know, as, as awesome a talent Derrick Brown is, 
gets high, the way. Um, but yeah, it, it starts with them two, Derek Brown and Brian Burns for me, for this pass, you know, uh, the ability of the effective quarterback passing for me. One thing I noticed too in the first few games, although we were getting after the quarterback and um, getting a lot of pressures, it was a lot of manufactured pressures. We weren't winning one-on-one rushes. You know, Phil Snow was showing double A-gap blitzes, confusing offensive linemen on where guys were coming from. We were able to fluster guys like young quarterbacks like uh, Zach Wilson or Davis Mills or even a Jameis Winston who's basically still, you know, not the fastest processor at the quarterback position. But when we started facing these veteran guys like Dak Prescott and um, last week with Kirk Cousins, they identified these pressures really quick. They're able to get their pass protection set up. They're able to get the ball out quick audible to these quick jet screens and things like that nature. It's kind of made Phil Snow back off and he's had to rush forward out of respect for those quarterbacks ability to get out of the play and find hot reads. So uh, smooth. I know you've mentioned this before about Derek Brown. You notice that he needs to add a little bit more uh, finesse or hand hand technique to his pass rush arsenal instead of trying to bull rush guys to generate pressure and win his one-on-ones. Yeah, he's getting lazy at this point. Um, I haven't seen much development as far as using violent hands techniques that I would like. I know that he has the ability to 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 use, like especially like a hump move, like Reggie White used to have. That would work wonders for a guy like Derrick Brown. But I don't see the guys using much technique out there. Same even with Brian Burns. You know, he's just he's not like he was a few weeks ago. I don't know. I think this team just came out flat. That's why I'm going to keep pointing to coaching. Because guys aren't playing like they want to win, specific guys. I mean, I see Dante Jackson going out there every week earning his check, but particularly on the front, on on the defensive line, we're just not getting it done. Guys are just, you know, snap after snap is going north and south. Nobody's really working and finessing. Like, well, Reddick does it a lot. Reddick gets to the quarterback pretty well. He he's been pretty solid using using his uh, arsenal moves, but. The two young guys, just like Kevin mentioned, Derek Brown and Brian Burns, they're just I'm disappointed right now, man. I'm just going to keep holding the coaching staff accountable until guys start playing better. And one thing we also struggled with, particularly in the fourth quarter against Philadelphia, was read options with Jalen Hurts. We said a lot of miscommunications. Normally, one guy's supposed to be responsible for the QB, one guy's responsible for the RB. You see both guys' body on the halfback dive, quarterback keeps it runs around the corner. Well, we're going to see a lot of that this week. Like we mentioned earlier, Daniel Jones is the leading rusher on the New York Giants, and they do run a lot of read option packages in their offense. So I think, so Smooth, what do you think the keys are to contain the read option this week better than we did against Philadelphia? Have to be disciplined and just do your job. So if they're running a read option, somebody has an assignment. You can't, you can't play tarot ball. If your assignment is to take the dive and hit the and hit the running back, take the dive and hit the running back and trust your teammates to fill and go after the quarterback. Like, it's all about discipline and everybody doing their job. Stopping the read option is simple if you do your job. When you try to play hero ball and just trying to make a play, worrying about incentives in your contract and stuff like that, that's when it'll, that's when it'll burn you. So if you just do your job, you got an assignment every single snap, shouldn't have any issues stopping that read option. Okay, let's talk about these uh, skill players a little bit. Uh, J.D., you look at this wide receiver room for the Giants. you got 
banged up. So I don't know. I think Galladay is going to be out this week. He's normally that big target. They just gave him that big contract. He's out with a hamstring injury. And Slayton's also got a hamstring injury. Sounds like Joe Judge is just running these guys to death and wearing them out. He got the whole receiver room, you know, banged up. But even without Galladay and Slayton, I mean, Kadarius Tony was a guy we really liked coming out of Florida. He developed, you know, into a complete wide receiver his senior year there when he was primarily just kind of a utility player, kind of think Curtis Samuel kind of mold there. Um, explosive playmaker, fast, you know, ACLs made of like uh, rubber bands, the way he can cut and change direction on the dime at full speed. And we got John Ross. I mean, you know, not really wasn't the player uh, justified as that top 10 pick, but I mean, he has the fastest 40 time in the history of the combine. He got Sterling Shepard, more of a slot guy, um, can get open. I think he's also got a little bit of a hamstring issue, although it's not reflected on the depth chart. What's your overall thoughts on this uh, receiving core, uh, Jay? Do you think they're capable and can challenge us this week? I, I see I see guys that can win 1v1 on this depth chart um, if you don't play sound technique. And from really from the top to the bottom here, they're going to challenge us in some way. Uh, I think Sterling Shepard is their top dog with Kennedy Galladay out. So Sterling Shepard, inside, outside. Um, Solid route runner, explosive, can high point the ball. Uh, Kadarius Tony is just awesome. Uh, he's been playing well. I think he's their leading receiver at this point. Um, out of college, remind me a lot of uh, a Curtis Samuel, but also a, a Percy Harvin um, in that he's a playmaker, get him the ball in space. Um, it looks a lot like Percy um, on, on if you send him down the field on screens, Yak monster, so you're gonna have to come and, and tackle him if he's playing. Um uh I see Colin Johnson there, a bigger guy. Uh even Evan Ingram used as a, a wide receiver sometimes split out wide. So it's gonna it's gonna take some sound technique. Um I'm not too worried about it as I would be if we didn't have the cornerback room we had. Um huge game by Keith Taylor last game. Uh, even though the, the box score is going to show him he, him giving up a touchdown and PFF probably docked him some points on that. Um, sound technique all game long, located the ball all game long, focus. Even if he did get stacked, squeeze to the sideline. Um, solid technique that's just going to keep him um, in the play for uh, for as long as he needs to be. So I, I want him. I want to see him carry that over um, against these guys. There are no slouches, but I don't think there is a guy um, in their wide receiver group that can um, just wreck the game for that, for us um, as long as we play sound technique. Yeah, I think you look at our cornerback room, the depth we got there. Remember, Stephon Gilmore is off a PUP list now, so he's eligible to play this week and will probably get slowly worked in with um, practice. You got Dante Jackson's playing lights out. I thought he had another excellent game against – the uh, Vikings, although, I mean, he missed a tackle. You can nitpick like that. Gave up some yards after that, but, you know, made up for it. Made a good stick towards the end of the game. I mean, you got Keith Taylor playing well. You got uh, A.J. Boye was playing well until the end. I think he gave up that catch to K.J. at the end of the game. But overall, you just, I mean, that's probably the least of my worry is how the secondary's been playing. But overall, you got to like how we match up against the Giants receiving group. I think this can be – Another good day for our defense to get back on track. You got a young quarterback. It's not going to process and fast. Phil Snow can do some things to 
generate pressure, get him flustered. He's known for fumbling the ball. He's careless at times with the football. So if there's any week for our defense to get back looking like they did during the first three weeks, I think this is it. So now let's look at the other defense on the New York uh, Giants. I know, Kev, you were big on uh, Dexter Lawrence, the Clemson uh, defensive tackle. Looks like they got him playing in a 30 front. It's kind of the you know five and three technique type instead of the nose tackle like he played in college. Can you tell us a little bit about Dexter Lawrence and the challenges he'll bring for our interior offensive line that really needs to really needs a get right game, but not definitely not getting it this week. Yeah, with uh with Dexter Lawrence, you know, who you know is coming out of Clemson, um, he's um uh, he's a pretty big boy. You know, he's someone that, you know, when you take a look at what he does on film, he's definitely has grown and developed. Um had a slow start his rookie season uh for the Giants, were definitely making a lot of mistakes, but you could tell that he's worked on perfecting his craft and and to get better. So he's definitely a player that's, you know, now that he's in a 30 front, because I believe before uh, Joe Judge got there, they were in a um, in a 40 front, and he was playing more like your, uh, you know, your one technique. Uh, so, you know, putting him out there as a, um, as he's listed as a left defensive end in a 30 front, uh, I definitely think that allows him to take advantage of uh, not only his size, but his, strength and speed as well uh, depending on where they line them you know in you know uh, three tech uh four i you know five technique uh he's definitely a player that's gonna create a lot of problems he can get movement he can hold his own against double teams now a lot better uh than he used to do um still gets up high sometimes i have seen him a few times in in, in the little bit of film that i've seen on him uh, get pushed back uh, but for the most part, he's uh, he's developing to a solid player for them on the defensive line. That's smooth. It doesn't stop with uh, Dexter Lawrence. You got Leonard Williams, who's consistently been one of the more underrated interior defensive linemen in the league year in and year out. You know, they signed him to a big contract. We're able to keep him in free agency. You got Austin Johnson, I believe, came from the Tennessee Titans. What kind of challenges do you think we're going to see from our struggling interior offensive line with Paradis? Michael Jordan, I think, actually worked his way into the starting rotation this week, and also uh, John Miller, who's been struggling throughout the year. Going to see the same thing that we see every week. Those guys just up front getting abused. I don't see them getting better. Um, for a guy to come off his couch and come come join this team and start immediately, that tells you even how bad we are behind the starters. That tells you that there must not be enough growth in Deontay Brown or some other guys that we've been wanting to see get on the field. It also tells me that our coach is a liar because he said something about wanting to have continuity and, and, and having guys get re repeat reps to know to, to make the cohesion better. How are you doing that if you haven't started the same exact offensive line minus injury in, in, in two weeks yet? Like two weeks in a row, we've seen two different sets of offensive line linemen. So – I guess Moten, where do you want to put Moten at? You know what I'm saying? I thought Brady Christensen played pretty well. Why wasn't he on the field? How can you build continuity and get the best group of guys out there when you're not doing it the same way every single week? That was just a – we're talking about the Giants here, but I, I just don't understand 
the concept of the philosophy that they're trying to establish. I'm going up against another tough defensive front. We're probably going to win some matchups, lose some matchups, but this is nothing to look forward to. Every week we're going to play a, a set of decent defensive linemen that are going to look at our offensive linemen like this is a get-right game. This is a, a confidence builder for us. Mm-hmm. So I expect to see us see the same thing we've been seeing every week, man, until, until we draft some guys. About these uh, linebackers, uh, Jetty, I know you follow their draft. I think Lorenzo Carter came from Georgia. He was a pass rusher, played in that defense with uh, Roquan Smith. So he's probably going to be – he's listed as a will linebacker, but he's probably more of like an edge rusher and, you know, if odd front defense. What do you think about these linebackers? Are these somewhere where we may have an advantage to be able to take advantage of, whether in coverage or, you know, running at them? I think um... – them being in the three four, um, they're the Will and Sam. Um, they have some talent there. If you look at Aziz Ajujari, uh, one of the one of the pass rushers, I think he has like two and a half, three sacks, a couple pressures already. Um, Lorenzo Carter, solid, um, coming out of Georgia. Reggie Raglan is is a guy that um has come into his own a little bit recently. Um, I think the weakness is um pass coverage i would throw at him um blake martinez was solid in coverage but he's obviously on ir so i think that is something um we can feed off of and let and let ian thomas and tommy tremble if they want those targets and they and they can catch their targets and build on a a solid outing um for ian thomas then i would attack them that way honestly I, i feel like that that would be a better uh game plan against this pass defense than Throwing forty something times on the boundary, honestly, I I feel like working the middle of the field is something we've struggled to do, not for good reason with all the talent we have. Um, so that's what I would I would focus on doing. I would make them cover. So uh, Kim, I don't know if you have a chance to watch the Vikings uh, replay yet. How do you think our tackles held up against the Vikings duo, and how do you think they'll hold up this week against? The Giants 3-4 defense with these smaller athletic edge rushers like Lorenzo Carter, you know, getting after the quarterback. Um, overall, I give the Panthers offensive line this past week, I give them a C, C minus, uh, just mostly because, you know, Sam Don, I think he got set what four times. So, you know, you give up four sacks, that's definitely not a Definitely not a, a good effort protecting your quarterback, even though I think a couple of them were covered sacks where he just held on to the ball too long as well. Uh, but um, overall, our offensive line, I, I saw good periods of stretches where they gave Donald plenty enough time to uh, to be able to throw. So I think that um, in that aspect, I feel like they took a – I, I got to be cautious to say a small step um, in the right way, it didn't look as chaotic in the backfield against uh, the Vikings for periods of time. Now, sometimes it was looking like, you know, we can't do nothing with it. But I, I, I like to think that from what I saw live at the game, and I did watch a little bit of it uh, late last night, um, I just think that, you know, our offensive line played well enough for us to win um, the game. So this upcoming week um, against the Giants, You know, I, I want to feel like this offensive line can, is eventually going to start taking steps to trend better. 
you know, I know, you know, with Big Smooth, you know, talking about coaching and he's absolutely right. I'm going to take a chance here and be optimistic. And, I, and I'm going to say that the Panthers offensive line is going to uh, not give up no more than two sacks and maybe no more than just 10 overall QB pressures, you know, hits and hurries. Overall, I, I think that, you know, going on the road uh, with this three-game losing streak, you know, they adapt this, you know, us against the world type mentality. Uh, now, whether that works or not, I don't know. Like I said, I'm just I'm just throwing a dart out here of some type of optimism to think that this unit is going to finally start to um, play better. Well, this is definitely a, a defensive line that I feel like, you know, it's talented, but it's not nothing to keep any offense coordinator up at night. But uh, it's, it's more so what we do versus, you know, what the Giants are going to do. Because if we do what we're supposed to do, like we're taught, you know, like they're taught me coach, then, you know, we should have a good game against this, uh, this Giants uh, defensive line. Now to the Giants uh, secondary. Now, Smooth, I know you were one of James Bradbury's biggest critics during his uh, four years here in Carolina. Have you seen him improve since he's been in New York, playing more man coverage, new system? You know, I think I think he made a Pro Bowl last year, if I recall, or was eligible for one. I think he made the NFL top 100 list for the first time. What are you seeing from him and how he's changed since he's been in Carolina? Looks just like they're playing a scheme that benefits his skill set. I still think he can't turn his head around. So, you know, we can DJ can probably take advantage of some of those those passes deep on the sideline if Sam Darnold has time to throw there. But um, I, I'm a big fan of Jabril, uh, Jabril Peppers. He's from my home county, uh, East Orange, New Jersey. I've been following him for a long time, and you know, it seems like he's played with he's playing with the a newfound energy because he's actually at home. You know, he's playing at home in his home state. Family gets to come see him play all the time. So he plays with a lot of energy. He's a downhill safety. Love everything about him. So we're not going to act like they're secondary or something to sleep on. They've got some talent back there. But, again, our, our coach is going to put together a game plan for us to go out and beat a team that we're supposed to beat. This is supposed to be a get-right game for us. We're playing the Giants, man. Like, it's supposed to be a get-right game for us. But since we don't blow teams out, I think this game is going to be a lot closer than we would expect it to be. But we should be able to take advantage of this secondary. Hey, look at the corners. It's like two uh, opposite, two opposite skill sets. You got James Bradbury, the big physical press corner. And you got Adoree Jackson, who was a college track superstar at USC, one of the faster guys in this league right now. I'm kind of in that mold of Dante Jackson. What's your opinion of this corner uh, duo, JD? Um, very, very talented. Um, if you if you think back to their draft, their respective draft classes, Dory Jackson was one of the more sought after guys in his class. Um, same for James Bradbury. I think he might have been what the second or third corner off the board overall for James Bradbury. So I think I think we're gonna see a lot of press. Um, so um, Dory will be the field side corner. And uh, James Bradbury will be the, the shorter side of the field and let him press up on his guy. Um, Jabril Peppers also, I'll, I'll tip my cap to him, like big, smooth, excellent, excellent uh, playmaker. He, he can come down in nickel, linebacker. Um, he returns punts. So he's a he's a uh, he's an all-round playmaker. So 
uh, while this while this secondary looks um, like guys that have bounced around a little bit, Logan Ryan, um, veteran moving to safety, they are a talented bunch. Don't get it twisted. Like you, you can't sleep on this group at all. They they will take the ball away from you and then take it the other way. So, I think it's going to be imperative that we be really disciplined with the ball, especially if we're going to attack them. We're going to have to take our shots. Um, and we're gonna have to be decisive with that. We can't, you can't have step with these guys because um, they will turn. Dory and Jabril Peppers, Logan Ryan will turn the ball over. So uh, James Bradbury, I don't know if he's still getting his head around or not, but um, he got seven passes defense so far this year. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be. Uh, we're gonna have to be poised if we're gonna attack them deep. But I think it's matchups that we can win. Like I, I, I take uh, Robbie Anderson. Uh, when he's not driving the ball over a Dory Jackson every day, all day, even though he got the speed to keep up with them. I just think Robbie Anderson is the better player at his position than a Dory Jackson. But it's something that we're going to have to see. Our wide receivers are going to have to step it up from last game because that's not going to fly against this group. Now I know um, they run a lot of free safety packages. It's going to be Jabril Peppers, Logan Ryan, and Xavier McKinney. You know, he's the safety from Alabama. You I know you do a lot of college uh, scouting as well. Did you were you high on Xavier McKinney coming out of Alabama? Xavier was uh, my he was in the strong in the strong safety class for me. Um, I saw him a lot um, closer to the line of scrimmage, but he can do both. I I think with the three safeties that you'll see a little bit of Logan Ryan at nickel and Jabril Peppers at nickel, and they're going to leave Xavier McKinney at safety. Um, Xavier McKinney probably, I think he has two interceptions, which is like tied ninth in the league right now. So very opportunistic. They'll fly around, and all three of those guys can fill the run when, when need be. So um, this safety group, I, I actually like their three safety looks. I wish we were running a little bit more um, just because it gives you a little bit more versatility and covering your tight ends and fitting the run um, because most teams carry a smaller nickel as their third corner, um, it makes a little bit more sense to have like a Jabril Peppers on the obvious rundown or against a heavy um, a heavy offensive line or a run-heavy formation for that offense um, to have that guy, that extra guy out there that can play like a linebacker. So it's going to be interesting how we attack um, these three safety looks, and I, I hope it gives um, Phil Snow some ideas as well because with our guys, we got um, Sam Franklin, Sean Chandler, both playing um, – well, relatively well. Uh, Jeremy Chin, um, you can roll Jeremy Chin down and have him play nickel. You can roll Sam Franklin down and have him play nickel. So um, very, very, very uh, similar to what we like to do on defense. Well, that pretty much covers the Giants' defense. So now we'll look at some of these uh, fans' comments and questions before we call it a night. First question from Charles. I don't like DJ in the backfield. You could have kept Bonifon or Davis along with Chuba. That would have been good. Problem with that is we saw Chuba in the passing game. He had a couple of drops the last couple of weeks. So it's, you know, if he can't consistently, you know, get open and catch the ball out of the backfield, you know, what good is he, you know, on third downs trying to, you know, run those Texas routes and create mismatches. You got to catch the ball first and have, be more consistent with his hands. So I think that's where, DJ comes into play in that category is you put DJ in the backfield, you create a mismatch, you motion them. Now Darnold can identify whether it's man or zone coverage, find a matchup he likes, and 
take it from there. I mean, if we saw, I think it was the was it the Eagles game where DJ came out of the backfield and scored on that Texas route as a um coming out of the backfield. It was either so, that game or the game before. Right. So I mean, I think there's a lot of advantages in doing that, especially since, you know, you're trying to replace Christian McCaffrey's production. That's kind of his bread and butter. We don't really have a running back in there that can handle that now. Anyone else want to comment on DJ being used in the backfield like that? I would much rather prefer DJ versus a linebacker than DJ versus Darius Slay. If we just... I think I think people get into this um, wide receiver one mindset where DJ can go up against the other team's best corner. We've seen him dust with Mashar and Lattimore. We've seen him have his way with um, Kevin King and Jair Alexander a couple times. It's about winning, bro. If you can if you can get away with the forcing a linebacker to cover your best receiver in any circumstance, that should be your play, especially for an offense with no offensive identity. Um, I think I think motion them out as much as we did versus the Eagles was stupid because I would much rather have DJ Moore running a Texas route or option route versus any linebacker in the league than versus Darius Slay. That's just my opinion. And I feel like we get way too cute with matchups. Um, just run, just run what works. And that would have worked every time if we're trying to replace that production Christian gave us. What you remember last year was, Curtis Samuel, Joe Brady would go 10 personnel and put five wide receivers in the game, and then Curtis Samuel in the backfield. And now the defense responds to 10 personnel with what? Their dime package and what the dime package can't do, defend against the run. But Curtis Samuel, he's a running back too. So you kind of have a hybrid player in there that can create mismatches. So when, you know, you have your 10 personnel against dime package, you can audible to a run play. Now you just get those big bodies on that second and third level on those small DBs and, you know, run the ball right at them. That's when you saw Curtis Samuel, they were able to run through tackles. You know, he ran over Keanu Neal and, you know, in the box. And I think we had a lot of success doing that last year as well. So maybe, you know, he's showing DJ in the backfield is possibly maybe that's something he'll do later on, especially while Christian McCaffrey is still sidelined. So we'll see if they find ways to use personnel packages to manipulate the defense, get them in the, look they want and try to take advantage of that. Let's see. Teams are now scheming for Burns and Reddick. I think it's more about quarterbacks or adjusting to the pressure packages than teams specifically scheming for those two guys. I mean, they may see a running back chip on his way out, which will slow down that speed rush. So, they may have to, you know, use win with power more so than try to speed around the edge because if you have that back chip you, now the tackle doesn't have to be as aggressive and riding you out around the pocket. I think that's one thing you've seen, but I think it's more about the first two weeks we played a lot of young quarterbacks that don't pick up the blitzes, don't pick up the hot reads. So when you mix up those pressure packages, mix up those coverages behind it, they get confused. They end up holding the ball too long. Now those blitzes and pressures get home and you're able to get them under pressure, get sacks, and confuse them all game. But when you get a Dak Prescott, you get a Kirk Cousins, now it's another ball game because Dak and Kirk aren't going to sit in that same play. They're going to kill the current play, audible to a hot route. And I think Kirk Cousins specifically did a great job of that. When we saw Dak Prescott, when he saw us load the box and try to run a blitz, he did a five-step drop and threw a deep ball to Amari Cooper and called us in one-on-one coverage on the outside. 
Uh, you saw Minnesota use a lot of play action, throwbacks, crossing routes to try to attack man coverage. I think as you play more advanced offensive coordinators, more creative, who have man beaters, you play more wide receivers that can win one-on-ones, more quarterbacks that can identify pressures, set protections, and get guys where they need to be, the less effective those blitzes that Phil Snow's running at them are going to be. Now, it's going to be interesting this week because you're going to see a quarterback that can run. And what happens when you play man coverage against a running quarterback? Your defense has your back turned to them. So if you don't get home, you're going to leave a lane open and Daniel Jones can get 10, 12 yards on scramble. So I think, again, Burns and Reddick have to be, you know, aware of both not only getting up field and getting after the quarterback, but containing, containing them in the pocket so he can't get out and make it kill you with those scrambles, especially on those third downs. Anyone else have anything to add to that? Yeah, earlier in the year, we were playing with leads. Uh, we haven't been playing with leads lately. So our young guys like Burns and Reck, they can't pin their ears back and just go after the quarterback. So I think that's the big part of the reason why you see the, the drop-off in production the last couple of weeks. That first interception of the game, I just didn't understand that one. I mean, it is what it is. I mean, I think Darnold's probably more mad about that interception than any of us are. You know, Rule was talking in his press conference today. Sam has to play better. Guys around him have to play better, and we can't turn the ball over. So I think, you know, being more emphasis on the run game, taking less pressure off him, and doing anything we can to protect the football will be more prioritized going forward. So we'll see if any adjustments are made. Why are we signing a long snapper and punter and not O-line? We didn't sign a um, long snapper. It was just a workout. They were working out punters because Joe Charles, Kev, Joe Charlton on IR, is he just injured? Or was he ever placed on IR? Do you know? Not sure about that, but I think he just Yeah, but hurt. all they're doing is working out punters to replace Joe Charlton. So if you work out a punter, you just need a guy to snap him the ball. So we're not signing any of those guys. But no, JJ Jensen's job is safe. Yeah, he's on IR, Will. Oh, Charlton's on IR? Okay. I'm pretty sure, yeah. Offenses are scheming to slow down Reddick and Burns. I just suggest that we counter. Yeah, that's what we touched on earlier. You know, during the first few games against Zach Wilson and Davis Mills, even Jameis Winston, we were doing a lot of the double A-gap pressures. Some guys would blitz, some guys would not throw off the pass protection, confuse the quarterback. But now when you've got quarterbacks that can identify that and see, you know, they don't have enough blockers for your blitzers, that's when they're audible. That's when you saw Minnesota run those quick screens. Like early in the game, for example, her cousin saw a loaded box, saw us bringing a blitz. He audible to that quick screen to, I want to say it was Adam Thielen, and Dante Jackson came up, missed the one-on-one tackle. Thielen ran for 30 yards. So quarterbacks that are smarter, higher IQ as we play those guys, they're going to have more of an answer for Phil Snow's pressure packages. So we're going to – I think it's just going to come down. Guys got to win one-on-one. You know, you can't uh, continue to manipulate um, – whatever I want to say manufacture pressures. Guys got to be able to win their one-on-ones. We have to be able to pressure with four better than we have. I just think we've been very ineffective at getting pressure with uh, four guys.
Uh, Smitty said today we must run more. Yeah, I think if you play ahead, you can stay balanced and run the ball more. I think the last couple of weeks we've been playing from behind a bit. I mean, you never want to see a guy like Sam Darnold at 41 pass attempts. I mean, I think that's a recipe for disaster in itself. But we can stay ahead, you know, keep the game close, stay on script. We can run more of a balanced offense. If we play that new 6-7 lineman, uh, Smoover Kev, you know what he's talking about here? The 6-7 offensive lineman? Not aware. Um, Two to three times a game, Josh Allen will make a throw and finish this. Oh, back. You know who that yeah. 7 lineman you're talking about? It? Um, yeah, I'm drawing a blank on that one. Um, I know your time. I think we did sign a guy. I don't know if he's going to be activated on that active uh, roster. I think he's on the practice squad, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So here's the last Austin comment Pleasant. of the night. That's what they were talking about today on WFNZ. Teams are chipping burns with tight ends and back. They said they got to steam up more. Yeah, I mean, it just comes down to, again, I think guys got to win their one-on-one -on -one matchups as well. You know, I think we, like Rune said in his interview today, sometimes we just got to find ways to get pressure with four. And we've just been very ineffective in doing that over the past few weeks. So that wraps up all the fan comments. Appreciate for everybody who joined us live tonight. Be on the lookout for the uh, final podcast. It'll be on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube. Um, you guys have any final comments before we sign out for the night? Thanks for all the support from the fans. Definitely give me the motivation to keep talking about this team. But um, y'all can tell I'm frustrated. So I'm here for y'all at this point. Keep pounding. Yeah, as always, I um, want to make sure we always let our fans know that we thank them and we appreciate them, the support in and out, no matter what. Um, I know it's getting frustrating. Uh, we're frustrated. It's frustrating breaking it down and watching it and having to talk about it for long periods of time. But, you know, this is what we signed up for. So, you know, if we can celebrate the good during 3-0, you know, we got to we got to diagnose and break down the bad during this uh, three-game losing streak. I, I like to think that, you know, this team is going to – is capable of turning around. But, you know, my words mean nothing – our words mean nothing without their actions. Um, but, uh, yeah, if we can't, if we can't uh, make this a get-right game, I'm, my hope of having any type of winning season for 2021 is pretty much out the window at this point. If we if we go to three and four at the Giants, I'm I'm pretty much I'm just pretty much uh, out of optimism. Yeah, I hate to use the term "must win," but I think it's a definitely a must win game for us to get on track, and even more for them. So I think you'll have two hungry teams going at it, and hopefully, we'll be the ones to come out on top. But Again, thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Be on the lookout for the podcast tonight. If you haven't heard the post-game show, make sure you listen to that as well. As always, keep pounding. And until next week, see you guys on the post-game show Sunday.
BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.